Welcoming back to Hey Mitch is Peter Smith. This is the second time you've been on this show. The first time we just talked about geek stuff. Now you actually have something to talk about. Well, hey, uh, um, I, I believe I had something to talk about the first time. I don't think you did. No, I'm pretty sure I did. No, I don't believe uh, you did. My, my insights were valuable there, Mitch. <laughs> they were very, very good. They didn't agree with you all the time, so therefore it was a good counterbalance. Time. Ah, counterbalance. Yes. Is that where we're going with it? Yeah, it was the, uh, the Colmes to your Hannity. <laughs> Because Colmes eventually got kicked off the show. And you, no, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I just don't think anybody's ever compared me to Hannity. <laughs> I mean, yes. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. Okay. I apologize. That's probably more of an insult than anything else. But that was more of a burn on me because... Because then you're Colmes? Yeah, and he yeah. got kicked off. Fair. Yeah, but, fair. Yeah, well, I guess. Well, hey, you could be a titan of industry who has no morals, and but is exceedingly wealthy. I mean, I'm okay with these words. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> Peter, Peter, you are here, though. You are here to talk about your books. Books. That is incredible, dude. Like, I've I've known you for a good part of both of our lives. and uh, The best parts. Sure. Um, but I, I would say that this is uh, this is pretty awesome. Let, let's let's get a little bit of a info info dump on what these books are about. All right, so they are science fiction based. Mm-hmm. Um, I bring a little bit of military sci fi in there too because I feel that well, they go hand in hand. One of the cool things with science fiction is that it can be anything. It can be dystopian, post apocalyptic, apocalyptic, military, pretty much whatever the heck you want. Um, if you ever watch any Star Trek or SG One or anything like that, they've got an episode for everything. It's true. So There are sci- sci-fi tropes throughout yeah. all of sci-fi. Ex- everything. Uh-huh. You can, if you want to write a mystery, you can write a mystery. You can have fun with the science fiction. So I've always loved science fiction. I was raised on it. Um, my mom is a hardcore geek. Um, raised me hardcore geek. You throw in history and growing up on a marine base, it's only natural that I'd want to bring in like a military sci-fi element to it or a little bit of dystopian. Anyways, so I wrote um, two books, The Spire and Apocalypse Dawn. Apocalypse Dawn is an introductory book, which it's meant to let write a reader see at an ex, um, a more readily accessible financial level what it is I bring to the game when it comes to writing and whether or not they're going to like my ideas and my style. If they do, then they can get into the main book, which is Aspire. And both of these books focus on what the effects of automation will have on humanity in the future and what happens when you have the ultra-wealthy, the ultra-powerful, having developed artificial intelligence and automation and no longer needing us. So one of the primary antagonists, if you will, um, he doesn't see himself, well, he does see himself that way, 
Um, <laughs> his name is Jacob Patterson, and he's the CFO, of, no, CTO, sorry, CTO of the largest robotics company in the world called Multinational Robotics. And he sees this opportunity with automation and artificial intelligence to basically reset the board. He doesn't think that humanity can be fixed. So as far as he's concerned, he's going to wipe the slate clean, use genetic engineering to fix what little flaws he can in us, and rebirth humanity in his own image. And because robotics and automation, artificial intelligence, allow him to do that, to supply all of his needs, we're irrelevant. Now, this is, I would say, that in most sci-fi tropes, these are the qualities, characteristics of the antagonist, of the bad guy for most of the, yet this is your protagonist. This is Well, it follows his story, but he is the antagonist. So, I mean, I guess you could say the, the series is going to follow the bad guy. Uh, okay, yeah, fair, yeah. fair. I, I, I like where you're going. There you go. So, so with this idea, um, I mean, you did say it's, it's sh- he's shaping it in his image. Now, uh, listeners, I've had the opportunity to read the book. It, it is good. You should definitely give it a, a try when you you have the ability to. Uh, so it will be on both of the pre-order, or both um, Apocalypse Dawn and The Spire will be on pre-order once this podcast drops. Okay. So you're more than welcome to go on there. I encourage you to. On Amazon. On Amazon, yes. Thank you. I should have said that. <laughs> um, I believe Mitch will have the links to the those links in the show notes. will be provided on the show notes, yeah. Excellent. Um, but yeah, you can go on there and... Download that onto your Kindle. If you got an iPhone, uh, Google, Android phones, whatever, you can get it on any device yeah. you want. Just yeah. get that Kindle app. Every, smartphones, just about every smartphone is a is a. I don't. I, I don't e-reader. say just about every smartphone. Every smartphone is an e-reader at yeah. this point. There you go. So yes, you should definitely give it a try. Uh, I was gonna say is that he's not so much. He makes it a point. He makes it a point to say that he's not rebirthing it in his image, but in his idea of what the future should be. Yeah, but that's a lot more complicated to tell then, people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, I've been rehearsing this quick pitch. It's called the elevator pitch. The elevator pitch, yeah. yes, yes. So you're, you're absolutely right. No, you're a 1,000% right. He knows that he's not doing good stuff right I, now. I mean, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the most redeeming qualities of the character. Like, he knows that he's part of the problem. And the fact that he is uh, willing to do what he has to do it's 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 okay. So it's the big part of a lot of sci-fi now. It's the where's too many too many of us. There's there's we're we're overdoing everything. Mm-hmm. We're depleting everything, and we're killing we're killing ourselves. So we have to get rid of most of our people. You we saw it in uh, uh, Da Vinci Code Three Inferno, yep. whatever that was. Called. I think it was just called Inferno. I mean that's the the whole premise behind Thanos and the Marvel <laughs> movies. Yep, snapping. It's <laughs> okay, uh, and then uh, you know it's it's it just seems to keep showing up is that we need to kill off a whole bunch of people. So he actually preferred not to kill off a whole bunch of people. He really does strive before he gets to that level. Yes, to avoid that, he's like, look, technology allows me to fix these problems. Automation allows us to have plenty. We can solve global warming. We can solve global food crisis. I mean, for right now, for example, right now. We've got um, vertical farming coming up, uh, which is hydroponic farming, but indoors and high capacity commercial. Um, Places like Yuma County, which are huge for traditional farming, it'll put us out of business. But it'll produce tons of food, relatively cheap, and it won't have to worry about weather. It'll decrease water usage. People will fight that. I guarantee you people will fight that. (laughs) It's going to be better for everyone overall. 
but people will fight it. But it's not the way that we've done things. Exactly. It's not the way it's different. Um, we've got, we're doing meat, produ- uh, artificial meat production right now. Not even the impossible burger, which or is the just, beyond burger or the beyond burger. Yeah. It, this is actual, uh, grown beef grown from beef. a Petri dish. Exactly. It is beef. It is everything that the cow is. You're just not taking the time to grow everything else you don't want. Right. Um, or having to kill something. Exactly. So it's a, it's an ethical option, but you still get exactly what you want. But people will fight that too. Hey, and then it will be only, a, you know, regular real cow will only be available to the uber rich. And, yeah. they, you know, then people are going to strive for that. And then they'll go into debt trying to get those things. And exactly. It's, it's it, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And Patterson's just upset. He's frustrated. He's like, look, I can go and I can solve every single problem with technology. But in the end, the real problem is the culture of humanity. So that has to be reset. That has to be reset. Uh, we've got solar panels. I mean, Arizona is a huge solar state. And yet, I mean, it would be a no-brainer. Hey, let's just <laughs> bank on solar in Arizona. And now we kind of shoot that down here when it comes to our votes. Um, you've got hippies who are against nuclear power, which would have reduced carbon emissions. And even if we do bust out something like fusion power or we do switch over to nuclear power, you're still going to have people are saying, well, what about the coal miners? <laughs> the coal miners don't even really want to be in the coal mines. Who wants, to, who wants black lung? Yeah, nobody. Nobody. But I mean, we could retrain them. We could do all these things, but people will still cling to that. And they'll listen to stupid um, arguments about why it is this new technology is a bad thing. It's not the technology that's a problem. We can come up with all these solutions, but in the end, as far as Patterson's concerned, it's the people. So <clears throat> then, okay, that's the elevator pitch for, for Spire. We, I don't know if you want to get into Apocalypse Dawn or not at the moment. So Apocalypse Dawn, um, it's not meant to get into the depth of the actual story. It's more meant to whet your appetite. I think I was trying to say that really ham-fistedly earlier. <laughs> um, still getting used to talking on the podcast. So Apocalypse Dawn focuses on two kind of everyday people. Um, I wanted to give you a little bit of insight, so I made one of them, um, I won't say what agency, but a member of an intelligence gathering agency, but he's a a relatively low-level cog in that group, so he's not like the high-end guys. Um, And then another one's just a regular dad. He works in Washington, D.C., he works for a senator, but nothing special. And these two guys have to do everything they can to protect their families in this apocalypse that James or Jacob Patterson has brought about on the world. Um, it's a very North American perspective. So if any of your listeners are international, I'm sorry. Um, you guys are dying too. Don't worry. I promise it's, it's an equal opportunity book. And I'm sure that you'll eventually get to their countries too. <laughs> yes, actually the, the sequel, um, the sequel to the spire is definitely going to tear some stuff I mean, up. There's definitely the a lot of, uh, Easter eggs or seeds planted in Inspire for going international and global because yes. it's there. I'm, I'm glad you picked that up. <laughs> really um, but yeah, it, it's it follows their course through the apocalypse as they try to keep or save their families. Well, to give a little bit of background, I mean, you already talked about how you're a huge sci-fi fan. You you know your whole life, military background, stuff like that. Your everyday life, your secret identity, your Clark Kent uh, persona, you're a teacher. You're a high school teacher. I wouldn't want to ask or I wouldn't want to say that your everyday life influences the darker parts of the story, (laughs) but I would see that I I could definitely see it in the, the parts of Jacob having to teach his child things, the parts that they are, they're doing like that. So 
going through your story, you personally writing it down, mm-hmm. working it out and stuff like that. What was what was your process? What was it that you how did you figure out this is where you wanted to go with the story? Honestly, um, I don't know if it's so much the teaching that mattered the most. It was actually our background in theater that I think helped out the most because I put myself into his shoes. Okay. Um, you are right. He's teaching his daughter the entire time. Um, I mean, they make they make it a point the, yes. of uh, Jacob and Anna. Oh, Ava. 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 Which was not no. a hidden ref, which is a little hidden ref. <laughs> I like bring up at the end. The two... Uh, I, I swear, and I, it was the whole time I was reading it. I keep wanting to have Ava be the daughter and Maria be the 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 mother, just mother because kids. I feel like Maria is an older name. But that's fine. Uh, that's just me. Well, Ava obviously. Longoria was yeah, yeah. kind of one of them. Plus, um, who do you think from history Jacob's sound would yeah. best match up with? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. if we were in that, I, I get exactly. Yeah, there you where go. You're there you go. Yeah, see, that's it. There's some forethought in that, <laughs> but uh, you know, the the way that uh, Maria, uh, you know, yeah. talks about her two parents and how they she they were all constantly teaching her and and how, constantly trying to be like, hey, you know, this is what you need to think about for the future. So that's where I got your teacher uh, background. Yeah, for. no, no, you're right because we do focus a lot on forward thinking and not just thinking about right now. It's about being able to get that information, find good sources of information. Uh, ones that don't go give into your bias, whether it's a, for, for example, today it's a liberal bias or a conservative bias, just hoover it all up. Just make sure it's being professionally done. Um, and then once you've got that information, then you can start thinking long term, not just what's going to happen right now. Don't just think one step ahead, think 20, 30, 40, 50 steps ahead, and you're always going to come out on top. You might still have setbacks. Uh, Patterson has setbacks from time to time, but because he's put in contingency plans for contingency plans for contingency plans, because he's thinking long term, right? He still comes out on top, and most people don't do that. Fair. Uh, so then, not only are you a teacher, you're also a father. Now, did that come into contemplation while while writing the character of Maria? I actually started the book before they were born. Okay. Well, then, does that make does that change if as you have a child during the writing process for Apocalypse Dawn? Definitely. Okay. Because uh, there's a young boy in there that. Um, uh, the main character, one of the main characters, has, and yeah, that that one maybe, yeah. Because <laughs> there, there are just some moments where you're like, oh man, like there's a the the ending scene is just a a heart ripper on that one. For okay, because I, I had trouble writing that one. It did. And then for the sequel to the Spire, oh, yeah, that that's yeah. I I don't want to give anything away, but yeah, don't uh, give anything away. No, um, there are some moments where as a dad, I'm like, I don't want to write that. <laughs> I don't want to write that, but this is where it's going, and I, I really it it gets dark, and you feel bad, but it's that's the way the story goes. Um, I, I hope that it helps me to put more feeling into it because I don't run away from those feelings, those sensations. I try to put them on the on the page, if you will. Um, but yeah, you, you just. There's some things you don't want to write, but you just got to write it. Then you, you got to go where the story is taking you. Exactly. So then, how was your prep for writing? Did you did you write out outlines? Did you have a giant board with a uh, yarn between things and characters and stuff like that? Freaking Fox Molder style board. <laughs> That's what I needed. And you just <clears throat> revealed to the listeners what area you grew up in, <laughs> because most of people would be like, "Oh, the Charlie Day stuff." 
Which you probably don't even get. Is that the guy from Philadelphia? Yeah, that's always sunny in Philadelphia. The, the one that they sold out humanity for the aliens and the, yep. the, 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 the not-so-good version sure of did. the robot movie? Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he has that meme where he's got the board, and that, that pops up on the internet a lot. That also brought up automation, too. The most recent, um, why am I forgetting the name? Pacific Rim? Pacific Rim, Because yeah. he said that the reason I was able to do this is because most of your production line is, is automated. automated. Yeah. You're only going to get that reference, listener, if you actually go and watch that movie, which I, I, I was being harsh. It was actually pretty decent. It was a good popcorn muncher. It was a good popcorn yeah. muncher. Is it going to get a sequel or a third? A, a third? a second sequel? I don't believe so. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it did that well, did it? No. No. Even no. China. <laughs> it's just the with that, and this is definitely a sidetrack, the, with that, the, the idea is great. Yes, we want to see giant robots fighting giant, fighting giant monsters, but then yes. you're throwing in all this melodrama relationship stuff, and you're just like, it's not done well. No. <laughs> no. Which is weird, because the first movie has Idris Elba in it. Second movie has John Boyega in it. Two very fine actors. We're just not getting it. Like, and That might just be the, the whole, you know... I wouldn't. I don't know. I was gonna say they were the, paycheck movies for those. Well, it's, it's definitely paycheck movies, but I was gonna say maybe it's the it's all the CGI that they have to do in that. But they came from Star Wars and 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 Thor, Thor yeah. so they know all about CGI. Well, he hated work. Thor, so I don't think he hated Thor. He hated doing the reshoots for that. But anyway, I, I'm off topic. <laughs> That's fine. So it yes. is a nerd podcast. So let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got to get the bona fides out there. So when you're right, right. I, yes. Kind of. Okay. <laughs> Correct me then. Uh, no, you are Michipedia. Bonafides. Bonafides, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that does sound more Latin. <laughs> now, did you use it in the correct way? I have no clue. No, I, I believe I did on that okay. one. Because it's supposed to like your credentials. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd throw out your bonafides, but yeah. I don't know if it stood up in the... You know what? As long as I can say tortilla properly. Yeah, you're good. Tortilla. We're you good. live in yeah, Sonoran yeah, air, yeah, desert yeah. area. So. Yeah, you can get some of it. Your writing process. <laughs> do you do an outline? Do yes. you is okay? So you figure out your your main points, your ending before you even sit down to write. Yeah. Um. In the writing world, they call it like pantsing. I don't pants. Um. But I also don't go and I, I'm not going to plot out every single freaking point. Um. Basically, I, I see it. I try to see it kind of like a, a play where you've got your scenes. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I will give a a vague to somewhat specific description of each scene. And then I'm allowed to play within that. As long as I hit the main point within each scene, so that way I can flow to the next, flow to the next, flow to the next, and that way I can make sure I hit the end, we're good. And usually what happens is I start at the end. I know where the story's going to end. So, for example, the the book I'm working on right now, because I'm done with these two, um, I know how it ends. I know the last... Uh, I know from the middle all the way up to the ending, I know the be- very beginning, it's that like 30 to 40% where I'm like, I have no idea where this is going to go yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, I usually work backwards. And that way I can make sure that I'm hitting all the points that I need to. That's good. Yeah. And which also, the beginning of the Spire, you your first handful of chapters, you are telling the story from different perspectives. Now, is that a... Was that difficult? Was it? Is it hard to switch between uh, perspectives? So, um, I, I didn't just say, I want to be a writer. I was like, all right, I need to figure out how to do this properly. So, I started listening to a buttload of writing, uh, writing podcasts. Um, there's a ton of them out there. Oh, um, there are. 
Uh, one that's really good is from, uh, it's called the story grid podcast mm-hmm. and they go through and they outline, there's a lot of information. If you want to become a, a novelist, it's really good. I mean, I don't necessarily, I'm not buying their product, uh, because I don't agree with being as structured as they are, but they have some really good solid ideas. And then you can listen to, um, is it okay if I shout out to the yeah, podcast? Of All right, cool. Um, um, self-publishing show they're pretty good too they usually get some decent guests on there too and they help you out with that and i'm there's a buttload more but i i try to limit myself to just one or two so i don't get information overload but um <clears throat> one of the things they were talking about was making sure that you got a, a hook at the very beginning of your books and you you told me you didn't like the the time jump that happens mm-hmm. and i and i appreciate that and i totally get that but i was worried that because that the beginning that I have that was not the original beginning. Mm. When the time jump starts was the original beginning. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't. I didn't feel it was hooky enough. I didn't feel it demonstrated enough of the energy and the, the overall potential of the writing. Um, there was a there's a nice little action scene at the very beginning, but you gotta you gotta dig until you get to <laughs> a little further and you actually get some real meat on the bone. It's a lot of uh, story building and a lot of good character development, but. Uh, when you look at movies today, when you look at books that are successful and TV shows are successful, they, they get action in there while at the same time getting that character development. Um, if you're too cerebral, then I think you run the risk of alienating. Yeah. Alienating or just putting them to sleep. Yeah. Um, and one of the comments, cause I had it read by probably about 15 people now, um, is that the pacing is good. It get, gets them engaged. They keep going with it. Da, 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 da. Um, so I'm hoping that that was a good hook. Um, it wasn't a huge um, issue for me. I actually used it as... Um, so the the sequel is going to take place and end the overall story that I start with the Spire. The prequel, though, is going to take place before the, the most of the Spire takes place. Um, it's the actual apocalypse itself that Patterson brings about. Because I don't really cover that that much. It's kind of covered in Apocalypse Dawn, mm-hmm. but it's just from those two guys' perspective. I'm going to show you a much larger worldwide perspective in the prequel. And I, I treated the the beginning of the spire as a, as a way to practice for that. Okay. Because it's going to be much more military uh, based than the spire is, which is more action adventure, young woman um, establishing herself and uh, separating herself from her father's uh, desires and control, mm-hmm. a coming of age story, if you kind of will, I guess. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I was seeing it as an opportunity to practice that and try it out so it wasn't i didn't see it was a challenge it was an opportunity okay in fact this whole spire trilogy the saga that i'm creating the four books it's just for me to learn how to actually write for one so i'm hoping that it gets better i'm hoping that when you do read the second book it's a little better written it's a little cleaner um and when i finally get to the sequel and the prequel which sequel should be out january february prequel should be out June um, it'll be I will have gotten the writing process down to where I can crank out a book in about two to three months um, maybe a month for editing somewhere in there um, same with the book co- uh, cre- cover creation know how to do the marketing um, be a little bit smoother on podcasts like this instead of having that awkward five minutes where I started just babbling randomly <laughs> babbling randomly yeah, is where podcasts exist that's, that's their niche that's their thing <laughs> That's what leads to wonderful moments talking about movies that have nothing to do with the topic. Yeah. 
I like doing that. It's there. Yes, exactly. That's the whole point of the long, a long form interview. You're supposed to be able to go off on tangents, talk about the things that influence you and talk, talk about things that interest you. But in the idea that this is your, I don't want to say practice books, but this is the, your, you just said your gateway into writing. Yeah. Um, I'm treating it as professional as I can. So if you buy this, it is not. Uh, I, these are professionally edited. I got real covers. You sure did. So um, you are getting a real book. Um, I'm doing my damnedest to give anyone who buys this, who gets this experience, a good experience. But it's my goal to grow mm-hmm. over time. And I understand since it's my first foray into it, it's not necessarily going to be my best. Um, anyone who writes their first book for the first time, they. That's never, they might do an okay job. It might be good, but they get better over time. I don't know. You're going to go talk to J.K. Rollins about that. Really? You don't think her later books were better? I have no idea. I didn't I read, read any of her books. <laughs> but I mean, that's wizard the stuff. First book was enough for her to get noticed. So. Well, no, no, true, true. But it was, um, the fact was she kept developing those characters yes, over time. That's exactly. what got people to come back. Yeah. That's it. Um, why, why did you feel? the need to write a, a book this crap is stuck in my head and i need to get it out <laughs> i've got uh, a 15 book saga up here that i have been cooking on since freaking in one form or another since like junior high wow and i was like okay that is too big I, it's <laughs> it's a space opera there's no way in hell i'm gonna be able to do that without getting some experience in there first figure out how to do this thing so i just was like all right look i need to start a little smaller something a little more manageable and then i was like okay i'll write a book and I, I feel that science fiction should um, bring up topics for people to discuss and get a little heated about, but, you know, in a good way. Not, no, I'm going to burn down your house or go, you know, do terrible things to your way. We can disagree. I was rambling. <laughs> tell you. Um, but sci-fi is supposed to do that. So I was like, okay, automation is a big deal coming up. We need to deal with that. Artificial intelligence is a big deal. We need to deal with that. Corporate power and how... Um, as technology grows, you're going to be able to get companies that can rival nations, essentially. Um, Google just pumped out a brand new quantum computer that can crack freaking codes of any kind, apparently. So, yeah. There's that. There's that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All hail Google. So, well, then the 15 book saga, I mean, I hope you don't make people wait like George R. R. Martin does. No, I've got it all planned out. Okay. I actually know what happens in all of them. That's awesome. Whereas George, I assume, has no clue what the heck happens. I'm in pretty last sure book. he knows what he's going to do in the last two books. He Write just hasn't. The damn he has, <laughs> why? He could have people just wait for him. Does he not like money? I'm sure he's got plenty of money after you can the, have more. the HBO show. You can always have more. You think Bezos just wakes up one day and is like, eh, I don't want any more money. <laughs> no, but Elon Musk might. No, no, neither <laughs> one of them will. Elon Musk is doing everything he's doing so he can become the king of Mars. <laughs> so he can have unlimited access to Reese. He is essentially Jacob Patterson, but he's like, you know what? I don't want to start on Earth. I want to start on Mars. <laughs> Fair. Fair. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Don't act like he ain't going to do it. He's got a crown somewhere. You know he does. Could be the king of Mars, huh? King of Mars. That's a, the BFR, the big Falcon rockets all four just to get him to Mars. <laughs> Establish a two million man colony. Uh, 
All right. Well, I mean, people who live on Mars. Hey, we t- we just got done saying not too many people on Earth, so they can go live on Mars. Exactly. I'm not complaining. I'm not going to go live on Mars. I will gleefully. Visit. I watch Total Recall. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, when I saw that, I was pissed because I was like, "That's my damn robot." <laughs> I was like, "That's the freaking robots that are in my book." <laughs> The new, the new Total Recall. Yes. The not so good one. It right, wasn't right. bad though. No, it's okay. It was okay. Yeah. It was no Arnie, but. I mean, it's, it's instead of a space moon elevator, it's the core of the Earth elevator. Yeah, that made that one pissed me off. <laughs> that pissed me off. I was like, what? Why would you? It's fa- no. Hmm. All right. Well, when you're getting when you're sitting down to write, okay, are you lighting incense? Drinking some some Kanye, some known Kanye. Kanye, cognac. That's the word I was going um, for. I I I I would not like to drink any Kanye. Yeah, no. We um, all should stay away. We should stay away from that. I, I know that there is someone who's drinking some Kanye, but it's definitely not going to be me. No. Um, some cognac. No, I can't afford cognac. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, you you have a life. You have a family. You have kids. You have work. Actual, you know. Nine to five work and stuff like that. So I'm I'm assuming you're finding the moments in between moments to write when you yeah. can. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just it's just whenever you can. Whenever it's just whenever nobody, you can. But whenever you, nobody's looking, you just bust it out, and it's got to be it has to be a quiet space though because I'm squirrel. So you do you do need a, a quiet space. You need Sometime. to be secluded. You know as yeah. much as you can uh, in your in your Thoughts. busy life. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, mm-hmm. if, if if anything happens, I'm like squirrel. <laughs> did you did you set t- deadlines for yourself? Like mini deadlines, like a, a page a day, or I do, and I break them consistently. I mean, that's what deadlines are for. <laughs> They're supposed <laughs> to be broken. Why exist? <laughs> it's uh, so you can feel that failure when you don't hit them, and it'll the push shame. you more <laughs> next time until you break, and then you're like, "Well, I guess I'm not doing this anymore." It's <laughs> a waste of time and electrons. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I set the, I set, um, am I close enough to this mic, by the way? You're fine. All right, sweet. Cause you can hear my dulcet tones. Yes. All yes, right, we cool. can. Sweet. <laughs> um, I just ask cause when I look over, you look a lot closer than I look. I'm, but this is just, I, I know this is where I'm good at. That's just spot. And okay. it will, I'll fix it for you in post. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll sit closer. You don't have to sit closer. <laughs> sit comfortably. No. You, and the actual microphone, it's stand itself moves. What? So you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you swing it there. I'm so, going to stop messing. With okay. This oh, that sounds better. Yeah. Sounds a little, you can hear yourself a little clearer. Yeah, it's a little clear. A little bit. It's like I'm whispering <laughs> in your ear. <laughs> How you doing, man? We, we don't do the ASMR here. You don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I'm too old for that. <laughs> There's a whole... I'm older than you. <laughs> but at heart. The, uh, okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole internet craze of... People just getting real close to the mic and whispering, and oh. and people just like to listen to that. Or they take uh, their beard and they just rub it against the microphone, or oh. you know the sound of a, a balloon being stretched next to it. I don't know. It's white noise for people to just tune out. I guess. I don't like the future, Mitch. I mean, you're writing about the future. And I destroy everything. You do. <laughs> Erase it all and start over for the right way. 
Um, are those the same people that watch people play video games? I mean, that's a that's a big thing. Yeah, why? People, uh, because people like to watch other people Dude, having fun. We used to do that as punishment in our day. <laughs> watch other people play. No, make them watch. Ah, uh, it's like you you lost your privilege to play. You have to watch me play. Yes, yeah, screw you, dude. <laughs> you don't get a controller. Honestly, though, when I was when I was really young, I used to love to just watch my brother play like the the not this like not like fighter games, but like um like Final Fantasy, where you know you're your character and you're just rolling through it. I could see that, but that's that's more me because I'm I'm just a story person. I love to just sit there and like I'll go and watch the cutscenes for video games on YouTube. Like, and I, I do that too. I, I've seen that's how I know anything about Uncharted one through three. I just watch that. I didn't play you, the game. I, I'm with you on that. I totally get that because that's the story aspect. Exactly. Of it. But you're never gonna catch me watching somebody no, play. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, one of our good buddies has his own twitch channel that he's really successful on and and, and, and I, I don't mean to bash him <laughs> but he's wrong okay no 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 he's fine because he's playing right he's the one playing yes. then he's fine i'm sure his of, viewers are all wrong i'm sure he watches <laughs> other people play when he has the opportunity mitch if people do things differently than me they're wrong okay that's, that's fair that's works. i mean i understand how your brain works in yeah, that and i had to get in the mind of a dictator and <laughs> this is true i mean this is this is helping listeners know how to go into your books, exactly. your frame of mind. <laughs> <laughs> What's so what we're talking about? Deadlines. Deadlines. <laughs> what, what kind of deadlines did you set for yourself? How, what, what was your... Because you said you started the first book. I mean, long before you had kids, your kids are now... Three going on four. Three going on four. Unless so Disney's asking, in which case, there's still, almost three. They're, they're still under 18 months. Yes. <laughs> um, Iger, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. (laughs) Iger, if you're listening to this, I would like a job. (laughs) Yes, give my friend Mitch a job. He deserves it. He's got a beautiful voice. Yes, yes, I do. I don't know if Disney does podcasts, but they do everything else, so I'm sure they do. Come on. Um, But yes, um, you obviously, you started the first book a long time ago, at least three three to four years ago. Yeah. now you're already planning the third book to be done by June of next year. You're you're speeding up. What is? How did you set those first deadlines? It was just about kicking myself in the ass. That's okay. all it was. Um, I, I found that for me with the limited amount of time I have every day, setting an actual goal for how many to write, um, I would love to be able to write three to 4,000 words. If I could write 4,000 words a day, um, I'd, I'd cook through a... Because you usually want about 120,000 words in your average size science fiction book. Um, if you're doing like a thriller or a spy novel, you can do like 80,000. But because you're doing a little bit of world building, you got to add in a little bit more. So I could cook through it in about two and a half months at that rate, but I, I can't get that many. So it's just consistently write whenever I can or at least work on something with the project. Like I haven't written on either the, I have two short stories that I'm cooking up right now to act as. Um, Kind of like a thank you gift for anybody who downloads the books. And once they get to the end, they can access these short stories and then get them for free. Um, but I haven't been able to read or work on those because I've been going through and doing the final, final, final <laughs> walkthrough of the Spire so that way I can get the print version ready for Amazon. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone who downloads the digital version get the most updated one because I didn't use pronouns apparently very well. <laughs> and my editor missed that. Mm. <laughs> so how, did, how, how does that work though? Like with the, the digital uh, version, like, I mean, someone downloads the digital version. 
no matter if you two you two weeks later, two months later, you go make a change, they'll they'll get the updated version. No, unfortunately, the the version you download is the version you get. But if you pre-order right now, that doesn't matter because you're not actually downloading it yet. Right, you'll get the download once the the pre-order date hits. So um, if you pre-order it and then it comes out, I, I forget. Well, let's say October 11th when this when this is airing. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't actually download your copy till two months later. Exactly. It'll send it to you when the actual um, pre-order date ends. So the pre-order okay. date is, uh, the actual release date is right now November 3rd. Okay. Um, I plan on actually releasing a little bit earlier, but Amazon punishes you if you miss your uh, launch date. Right. So I wanted to give myself and my editor who's working on Apocalypse Dawn right now and my advanced readers a little more time to finish up. Uh, that book is done. It's just got to get the final touches on it. Um, but yeah, they punish you if you don't launch on time. So I just gave myself a bit of wiggle room grace. on there. A little grace period, yeah. Uh, that'll launch at the end of October. But once it finally launches, once that launch date hits, uh, you can order it prior to that. And then right. it'll just be in your queue. Mm-hmm. That's when you get the actual version. Uh, so I, as a professional, will have all of the updated versions on there before you actually get it. So you, you get the cleanest newest version of it um like i said i've gone over it a bunch of times i had a editor who's an actual university professor of english go through it too um so it's it is good it's clean they will be good um you're gonna see the occasional error but just you'd find that major major book too yeah um and if that happens and people report it to me i'll go through and i'll update that but if i added in a the on page 233, you're not going to get it on your copy if you already got it. <laughs> Anyone who orders after that gets it. There. So let me ask you this. Um, going into this project, new endeavor, did you go and talk to any published authors beforehand? No. Um, my just wife, listen to those, po- those podcasts. podcasts. Yeah. My okay. wife has uh, become a published author. She actually sold a project-based learning book um, through an actual publishing company. But that's that's more of a text style book right it is but there's also a digital version of it if i remember correctly no i mean not not like not like physical text i'm talking about it's like, non-fiction yeah right yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's more like of a how-to book how-to book yeah um but still i mean it's hard to find people that are published authors and that's the problem the uh, the traditional publishing industry is a little restrictive mm-hmm. and i could go that route i could send them dozens of letters and get rejected a dozen times right um and then when some of them actually agreed to take me on if somebody did eventually i would only end up getting like 10 percent of each sale if and they'd give me a small advance to begin with a couple thousand dollars um so i was thinking you know what i'd rather have more control over it yeah it sucks because i have to go through and do all the editing i have to go through and pony up the cash for the the editor the covers i have to pony up the cash for all the ad budget spend i'm going to do on amazon and then facebook and then um geekly media there's <laughs> go. <laughs> You're gonna get paid. Oh, awesome! Yeah, <laughs> I'll expect the mail, the check in the mail. No, don't, don't expect a big check. Oh, okay. It's gonna be tiny big check. Might, might be pesos. Wait, I I believe my contract said money on the back end. So. Back end, back end. Yeah, um, I believe your contract is horseshit. Ah, <laughs> dang it! <laughs> <laughs> Should have read that fine print. Tell you what, if I get money on the back end, then we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be just be happy if I can get enough for the editing costs and the book or cover costs for the next book. So then you didn't have any, um, f- not forethought, but you didn't have any uh, 
beforehand knowledge of, of obstacles that you're going to be running into. When you, you read a lot of books, I've been reading my entire life. Um, I was that weirdo kid that built like a fort of books on his desk at school. <laughs> I'd behind him and read the whole damn time. So you, you, you're, you're aware. You're just not immersed in it. Um, I knew what the obstacles were going to be. I didn't know the details about them though. It's kind of like you have the general idea of how you're going to build a house. You mm-hmm. know, you need a concrete foundation, you need a frame, but until you actually start doing it, you don't get how detailed that is, how complicated it is to actually go do those things. So those podcasts that I listened to, and I've been listening to it for a while now that, that helped me out a lot. That really did. I figured out what I needed to do. Um, we through that, um, through that podcast, um, self-publishing, uh, show they actually sell a course and that helps you to figure out how to actually publish an ebook mm. so they help you to figure out the basics of advertising the basics of publication um, how to use amazon how to do um, um, productivity a little bit um, it's just kind of like a basic how-to on that one um, that was not a cheap course but it was worth it so what what have you learned about for advertising and getting your name out there getting your book out there well you do stuff like this okay. first and foremost um uh, one so, the, are you are you saying that you're gonna have, you have other podcasts lined up? To oh go talk hell about? yeah, I'm a cheat. No, you're, you're, <laughs> no you're, I'm fine I'm, with that. I I'm monogamous, uh, Mitch. I'm monogamous. No, I I, I might actually just pump, pimp your name around too to see hell if anybody yeah. else would you like to go right ahead. Talk about you, okay? You go right ahead. You be my oh my god, I was gonna make a joke. You be my Wayne Brady. Oh, okay. <laughs> I will let you be my Wayne Brady. All right. Well, what what else? Do things like this. Uh, you do things like this. Uh, you have to form, by the way, really good segue. I like that. Uh-huh. You have to create um, a social media presence of some type. So, for example, mine is Peter F. Smith, author on Facebook. He says, checking quickly because he forgot. <laughs> You're not supposed to do, by the way. You should know these things. You should know these right off the top of your head. Well, that's yeah. good. This is also your... Your gateway, your 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 pre. Yes, my. I, I would like to believe that you were getting a more professional, polished interview. You know what? And that would be fine if we, as a media, were a little bit more professional and polished. But dude, you've got actual gear. <laughs> you've got a freaking board back there with people's <laughs> names on it that I probably shouldn't say out loud. Probably not. That's cool. <laughs> but yes, but you are also sitting in my spare bedroom where you know, there are posters on the wall, a green screen behind you, and a, you're, you're talking on a poker table at the moment. So, hey, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> no, I'm, and you know what? I'm not knocking myself. I'm just sure saying, I'm just saying, uh, this would be your foreground. This would be your, your practice ground. It's fine. And Mm-mm. when, uh, no, I mean, no, I assume I don't they care also- whose podcast I get in five, 10, 20 years from now, I'll be like, Bitch, <laughs> you are no geekily. Uh, uh, Give me my Dasani. D- d- <laughs> Dasani? Oh, I would assume they got de- okay bottled water. I mean, <laughs> Poland Springs? I mean, I just gave you cheap fries brand water, but yes, they should make other more professional podcasts give you like the Fiji water or whatever it is. Fiji, I'm, not, I'm not bougie. Yeah, the, whatever the one that coats your throat or doesn't coat Ew, your throat. I don't, I don't know. water that coats my throat. It's water. <laughs> what else is it coating? It's, it's your insides. Make Ew. it so you don't have all that phlegm that no, you're talking, you were talking about earlier. When I am bougie, it's that core water. There you go. There core you go. water. <laughs> hey, uh, I better get a freaking check from them, by, now, by the way. At, at this know. point, I would hope so. Yeah, we, we better get a check. <laughs> 
Do you have business cards been printed up? Uh, no. Um, the reason why is because it's 2019 and I'm being a jackass by saying that. I'm sorry. Um, I don't, I use a service called book funnel okay. and they will, if I ever do go to a con, which thank you for that heads up, by the way, mm-hmm. um, I can print off little download codes to hand to people. Okay. So on that day I can go through and then print off business cards for that. But, um, for the most part, I'm not, a lot of what I'm doing is networking online. Um, I've been asking you and everyone I know to read the books and then to share with anybody they know too. Like, um, uh, one of our mutual friends recently at her work has gotten me four or five new advanced readers. Mm. And that that's awesome. I mean, I'll probably get like one of them that I'll actually read, but still that's one more than I had before. Okay. And if I can get up to, I'm hoping I've been told that 15 to 20 reviews, verified purchase reviews is what you want when you first start. Cause that gets you bumped up in the algorithms. And I'm hoping that all the advanced readers will go because I'm going to have the books on sale for 99 cents for pre-order. For anybody who is an advanced reader, just as a thank you to them, and if they're willing to help me out a little bit more, go on there, buy those um, advanced reader copies at 99 cents. And then what happens on Amazon is that person's review goes to a um, verified purchaser, which means that review has a little bit more weight in the algorithm. So when people search for science fiction books that are military, apocalyptic, action, adventure, it'll more likely pop up in their search, at least within hopefully the first couple pages where they're willing to go. And then... If I can get them to do it with both books, my other book pops up under their also bots. So when people go in and look at my book or my first book or one of the for two books, they see the other one. It gets a little bit more right. advertising on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you have a Facebook page. Yes. Peter, Peter Smith author. Peter F. Smith author. Got yes. it. Search that on Facebook. Yep. Search that on Facebook. Do we have an Instagram? Uh, I do. You have a personal Instagram, but no, I do have actually, it's Peter F. Smith author. Okay. Actually, let me check really fast. I'm going to, I'm going to wait for a second. Okay. So we're we're talking about an Instagram. We're talking about a a Facebook. Are we also going to have a Twitter? Yes. So I'm assuming it's going to be somewhere around Peter F. Smith author as well. No, we're going to make it totally random. (laughs) You're absolutely right. You were correct. Spire creator. Spire creator. (laughs) Hell, didn't I talk to you first? (laughs) Okay. So we we have those three. Peter F. Smith author. Yep. And uh, then you have a, a website. Uh, not yet, but we will have one. So there's an idea for a website. There will be a website. There'll once be a website. we have the, um, once we have the, um, I, I am very fortunate. My wife runs her own business. So um, she already blazed a lot of this ground for yeah, you. Yeah. She's, when it comes time for me to do Facebook ads, she's going to be my queen. Um, she's already my queen and empress and everything else. <laughs> In case she's listening, I'm very sorry, sweetheart. Hi, April. Hi. <laughs> Um, she probably stopped listening a long time ago. Oh, I'm, I'm assuming, not because of you. Uh, no, I'm assuming after your first joke, because yes. she already texted me before this oh saying not to, yes, not to, not to let you that. tell any jokes. She told me that. <laughs> it's okay. We like your jokes. Do you? No, no. but it's okay. <laughs> All right, so we talked. We talked about the books. We talked about you know your your process. We talked about you know having to do advertising and stuff like that. Let's. Let's talk about what the, some of your influences in going into this. What what is it that other people would have read, watched, played that helped you to make this world? So um, when I was growing up, I read a lot of Ender's Game. I mean, a lot of Ender's Game. Okay, a lot um, of Orson Scott Card. Yeah, Orson Scott Card. I mean, I know he gets a lot of flack, but the guy can write. Um, his most recent one's kind of underwhelming. Uh, he did a a prequel to Ender's Game, which is it's okay. It's not bad. 
Uh, but the guy came up with a pretty revolutionary idea and concept, and he wrote it really well. Um, the idea that you'd have this young kid that was that intelligent and have to go into that kind of a situation, that kind of a scenario, and have to be as mature as he was was just nobody done it before, at least not to my knowledge. Um, or they hadn't done it as well as he had. So I mean, it's essentially it's the first YA book. Yeah, like, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> eventually, everybody else eventually comes up with the teenager needs to take on bigger forces than the, him or herself. And no, you're right. And he he didn't pull any punches though. He um a lot of YA books kind of like oh yeah tone it down a little. They're a bit. lot more commercial. Exactly. Um, he talks about um if you ever read um Ender Shadow, um I. I read the first Ender's game. I read Ender's game, and then I tried reading the second book. He gets real trippy after Ender's game, mm-hmm. but then he goes into a, a parallel uh, storyline called Ender Shadow, and he's talking about young girls being prostitutes and, and abject poverty, and it's just like these were not small. Con- this is YA. This is for kids that are really on it, right? Uh, so I was like, okay, I would like to make a book that fills the gap between, say, Ender's game and one of my other. Um, one of the guys, Peter of Hamilton. Um, if you're ever looking for a hardcore sci-fi book to read, um, Peter of Hamilton wrote this book called Pandora Star, and it's got like nine books after it. It is intense. It is ex- that guy balances so many different character storylines, so many different plot points, and he hits all of it. He builds a massive world. It is amazing. Um, I was tripping out every single book. I just had to have it. the moment it came out. I was gobbling it up. I was hoping to build something in between those two. Um, Ender's Game, which is... I, I don't think there's anything in between those. Uh, at least not a lot of it. That deals with decent high-end ideas. Gets into a bit more on the science aspect of it. Because Ender's Game was good, but he doesn't really go into any of the science. There's not The science was just there. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Um, he talks a little bit about like artificial gravity. Uh, Zero-G combat. But he doesn't get too much into that stuff. Um, a lot of he just kind of fluffs. Like, oh, the little doctor. It just, it just blows up planets. That's it. Yep. Um, so he didn't have a lot on that. So I was hoping to hit that, that spot in between. I wanted to be that transition from those YA books to the more traditional or more hardcore science fiction. Because it's kind of a jump, honestly. Um, I haven't found any books that really fill that void. We got all this. We got this huge generation of kids that are coming out with or reading up Divergent and Hunger Games, and what do they have that bridges that gap between Ender's Game, Hunger Games? Oh, I just realized we have the same name. <laughs> um, that's sad for me. Um, and then Divergence, your your Givers. Um, there's nothing in between that and those hardcore science fiction shows like or books like The Expanse or Pandora Star or Kevin J. Anderson's uh, Saga of the Seven Sons, which is interesting. I like that one. Um, he pissed me off, though. Like I wrote a, a bad guy into that called Basil Lenquist, I think. I hated the freaking bad guy. I was like, okay, I get it. He's a bad guy, and I get he's not he's a serviceable bad guy, but there's just some stuff like, like that makes no sense that he would do that. <laughs> so I was like, when I make my bad guy, he's gonna do it right. He's gonna do it right. <laughs> he's gonna do it right. Okay, so I I mean to me, I felt like I saw I felt some Isaac Asimov in there. I've, Terminator, uh, sure, yeah, a little bit of Terminator in there. I mean, yeah, I yeah. can see that. But what about, I mean, that, that, those are just books. What about movies, well, TV so shows? Salvation, Terminator Salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I like that one a lot because we talked about that a lot in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this scene in Terminator Salvation that kind of like made me scratch my head. I was really, really hoping that they'd make the, 
they keep going with that storyline because even though McGee was like a commercial director, he did a really damn good job. He was in that a movie. yeah commercial director and music video director. Yeah, so he did a damn good job on that movie. That was <laughs> good. Um, I think you and I are probably the only ones that actually enjoy that movie. So. What is wrong with people? It was. It's, you know what? The people who don't like that are the same ones who like the rehashed, completely, totally. It's not even redone. It's just it's a rehash of the original trilogy, freaking from Star Wars. So it's the same damn people. You're you're new. absolutely correct. God, <laughs> I've already seen it. Let me see something new. Let me explore the universe. But anyways, so uh, there was this scene where um, Sam Worthington's character was like in a. I can't remember. Was like they were going through the factory or something like that, and up in the top right above you could see this like oh not opaque but like hardly translucent glass and you could see these figures standing in it like they were watching what was going on and i was like are they gonna go down this path where skynet actually isn't in control that it was just a group of people that use skynet to conquer the world that's i mean that sounds a little more umbrella corporation to me. yeah i was thinking the same thing maybe <laughs> like skynet Cy- yeah. cyberdyne didn't actually get taken over they used skynet to dominate the world and i i started thinking to myself you know that makes a lot more sense because an ai yeah it's it's fast it can learn really well but it has no real physical presence so oh, god uh, one of the books i don't want to be like is um um robo apocalypse right i I'm not going to say I hated that movie uh, or the book. The book, um, okay. But there were just some parts that were just like, this makes absolutely no sense. Why would an ice cream scooping robot be able to crack your skull open? <laughs> Why am I going to pay for that model that's going to cost like 10 times more than the flimsy? So in that book, the AI rises up and conquers everything. But there's no reason for that. I mean, we have a buttload of guns. We're, we're not stupid. Even the dumb ones amongst us are still pretty sharp. Um, we would be able to figure out how to take out its power sources. We'd be able to figure out how to take out its communications and just whack the damn thing a freaking magnet, okay? <laughs> and no more robo-apocalypse. Right. Um, so I was like, in order for this to happen, it's got to be actually done by people. Okay. So that kind of, you know, that might have been actually the genesis of the idea for this buyer. <laughs> yeah, cool. There you go. Hey, I like that. We've, You're my counselor. A revelation. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Okay, well, then if th- th- these are all avenues people can take to find their way to this buyer. That's pretty awesome. What'd you like about the book? Yeah. So I really love the way that you you tell your action scenes. Your action yes. scenes are phenomenal. Awesome. They are. You go from points to points to points, which really paint a picture of what's going on in that scene. Uh, I love the idea of when we we have the time jump, the the part that I've said that I didn't care for, mm. but the world that you've you've created there, like it does f- feel fleshed out. Excellent, the best way to put it. It feels like I understand what's going on in this new world, and and I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed what it is that you were. And I, you know, it helps that I know you. I know you so personally, so that. I, and I'm not saying that this is a detriment to anybody else that's going to read it. They don't need to know you personally, mm-hmm. but I know you so personally that I can see, I can see the gears, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I can see the machinations working to where you're trying to get to, just yeah. because I know you. What didn't you like? 
What didn't I like? Yeah, I know you're not supposed. It's supposed to be advertising and plugging. Yeah, the this book, is. But, I mean, you know, I got a problem with that. I want to know. I want to learn. You want to learn. You want to grow. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. What did you like? Oh, well, really fast. Anyone who reads the book and wants to leave a pro or a con, put that freaking review up there. I will celebrate you no matter what. And come <laughs> on to Peter F. Smith, author, and do it there too. There you we'll go. We'll chit chat. But continue. I'm sorry. What didn't I like? I didn't like. Uh, I didn't like. I didn't. I didn't like the way that Maria, as your central character, tends to always have an answer. Mm-hmm. To me, she needed to struggle a little bit more. There are s- scenes where she has struggle, but she already everything already. I mean, and I'm not saying that it it, it wasn't too easy for her because no, obviously the, there's that their gap, the gap in time where she's learning, mm-hmm. but everything as it comes to her she's like ah well i know this i got this and that's that's fine i understand that's what you're you're trying to pump up a character for she's she's supposed to have been training for this her whole life you were gonna like the sequel (laughs) i'm just saying that a character that's so full of themselves at this point just seemed a little off-putting to me no i got you and like i said you're gonna like the sequel okay that's fair (laughs) totally dropped into a scenario where she is She's just making shit up as she goes. <laughs> hey, like the best of us. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. So as we're winding up, winding down, no, I'm sorry. We've already had a whole hour. We don't have enough time. <laughs> well, you have more books to write. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> tell me, tell me a few movies that you are excited for, for the, the rest of this year. Please tell me you've been keeping up on what kind of movies are coming out. There's another Star Wars, right? There's a Star Wars in Christmas time. I'm not excited about I know that. you're not excited. I don't know why you brought that up. Well, we're getting close to the end of the year. There's not that many more. Yeah, there, I mean, I would think that you you personally would like the Oscar time of the year because we usually get biopics around that time, and you, you are a history person. I am. So there's usually going to be some Tom Hanks World War II movie around there somewhere. This, <laughs> <laughs> He's only done one. <laughs> Two. He's done two. I mean, uh, uh, Bridge of Spies is essentially. Well, that was Cold War, wasn't it? I don't know. I thought that was set during the Cold War. I'm I'm bad because the spy thing wasn't World War Two. Yeah, but it's after World War Two. Just after. Yeah, that's Cold it? War. Okay, fair, but it's whatever. It you said I was a history guy, dude. Okay, I so, know. Okay, right. it, it, the Cold War starts so before World War Two even Tom ends. Tom Hanks war movie <laughs> better. <laughs> Uh, Forrest Gump. What, which one are we talking about here? <laughs> so I'm saying, uh, let's see, we got the Joker coming out next week. I thought that already came out. No, it comes out October 4th. People were raving about how amazing that was oh, like a month ago. It's winning a bunch of awards at festivals before it goes out to, oh, the regular, okay. to us plebs. Oh, okay. Well, then I, I was like, oh, okay, I might go check that out because I thought it was like average everyday people saying no. it was amazing. So, okay, this could still be terrible. It, it, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible? Okay. <laughs> All right. In my opinion, it's going to be terrible. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't, I shouldn't really judge it yet, but I don't have a lot of faith in Lockheed okay. Phoenix. <laughs> you did you, a good emperor. But you and me it. both. Yeah. That was 2000. I know. That was so long ago. And then he went on Jay Leno, totally. Nope. Letterman. High. No, he was on Leno, uh, Leno High. Oh, it was I Letterman where he uh, he had the beard and he just like put gum on the te- desk and stuff like that. He might just be perpetually high. That might be the yeah, problem because he was high on Leno. <laughs> Either way. God, I'm old. <laughs> We're old. Yes. <laughs> Continue. Hey, movies. Movies. Nothing. Uh, I'm still waiting for Battle Los Angeles too. It's not happening. It will happen. <laughs> it made money. 
It was a good, not enough money. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna become rich and famous. I'm gonna write bi- fine crap let, ton of books, let's, let's, and then they're gonna make me write the sequel, and then we're good. Let, let, oh, you know what? I'm I'll be happy for you when you write that sequel, <laughs> Battle Los Angeles Two, twenty years later. What when you were writing these books? Then when you were writing these characters? Oh no. Uh, is that not supposed to turn that's off? That's not supposed to turn off. That's unfortunate. I don't know if it's actually still recording or not. Oh. Yes, it is. They are. So, I'm sorry about that really long. Oh. <laughs> um, when you were writing these books, did you have actors in mind? Y- yeah. Do you not want to say two to jinx it? That's fine. <sighs> yeah, this is just it, though. If this actually, this isn't, if it does, which I mean, obviously it's, it's amazing and they really should pick it up. <laughs> that's not false modesty. I'm just straight out telling them. Um, yeah, that's, um, no, honestly, cause I know they're going to choose whoever they want to choose. They're going to choose whoever they're yeah. going to choose. They're going to choose whoever is popular or whoever is willing to do it for the money. Well, I would but, hope that with Patterson, they would choose somebody who's an established actor, but doesn't age. Cause one of the things with this book is that people don't age. Right. Uh, they've cracked aging, so it's not a problem. So anymore. you want a George Clooney? Yeah, it's got to be somebody like that who's like bathing the blood of children on a regular day basis. <laughs> I'm not asking who do you want to see in the role. I'm just asking, did you see somebody in your mind when you were writing these? It shifted a little bit. Um, I could definitely see... Um, why, why am I forgetting? He's in Battle of Los Angeles. Oh, really? Uh, um, Eckhart in there. Two fight. Yeah, Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, as Patterson. Okay. I could definitely see that. Um, Maria... No idea. I mean, it's young actresses. Young actresses are hard yeah. if you don't watch those shows. I mean, the, the the youngest actresses I see right now are from Jane the Virgin and the 100. How about, I don't know if you're watching Riverdale. I haven't watched it since the first season, but the, the actress that plays uh, Veronica, I could see her playing that role. From Riverdale? I have not seen Riverdale. Yeah. If you get a chance, check that out. Not, that you don't have to check out the show, no. no. But just check out the actress. Okay. Okay. There's, uh, a, there's a young girl named Raven that might fit from the 100. Okay. Maybe. All right. That's, That's about it. <laughs> um, and then Ava Longoria. <laughs> Ava Longoria. <laughs> but that is because when I started writing this, the wife and I were watching Devious Maids. Ah. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, what other movies are coming out? Coming out wise. I mean, I should know this. You should. You get to see worse that you don't know. It. Yeah, it is worse it's that I don't know. It. That I do know the bunch of movies that are coming out. I don't know the bunch of movies that are coming out, though. So not a whole lot of sci-fi, though. We will have to get back to you. On OK, because you got life. Yeah, and that's fine. You deserve a life. You're the best damn person I know. <laughs> well, thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Your wife probably doesn't appreciate that, but she knows I'm not talking about her. OK, <laughs> she, she's a separate subsection there. One more, t- for a great deal. one more time, Peter. How can people find you online? So you can go to Facebook and Instagram and you can look for Peter F. Smith author. Um, I really will answer anything you put on there. Have at it. Um, just be nice. I'm a gentle flower. And you can find your page on Amazon already, right? Yes. Uh, you will be able to find, by the time this podcast drops, the pre-orders for both The Spire and for Apocalypse Dawn. I would suggest starting with Apocalypse Dawn when you do the reading. But feel free to pick them both up, especially during the pre-order phase, because it's only 99 cents. Once the pre-order phase is done, then they're going to go up to $2.99 and $5.99, respectively. Fair. All right. So if you want to check those out, definitely check him out on social media. If you want to see, you want to talk to me, I'm at Mitchipedia GEM. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, at Geek Elite Media on Twitter. Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. And geeklyapemedia.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Media Network. But until next time... 
This is Hey Mitch on the Geekly Media Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.